This is day 116 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Psalms chapters 98 through 102. Lord Heavenly Father, may we sing praises to you today. May we sing with our hearts just open wide to you. May we just let everything go that we hold on to, our egos, our desires, our selfishness, Lord. And we just surrender it all to you today. We know, Lord, that no good things come from apart from you. But only you provide goodness. All other things in this world are evil. And we don't want to take part of that. We want to be separate like you've called us to be. Please teach us wisdom in our days that we may act wisely in your sight. and We may glorify you in our actions. Please bless the reading of your word today, in Jesus' name, amen. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his loving kindness and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Shout joyfully before the king the Lord. Let the sea roar and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is exalted above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The strength of the king loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests, and Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of cloud. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, and yet an avenger of their evil deeds. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his holy hill. For holy is the Lord our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people 
and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of loving kindness and justice to you, O Lord, I will sing praises. I will give heed to the blameless way. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. No one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart will I endure. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell within me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position over me. Every morning I will destroy all the wicked of the land, so as to cut off from the city of the Lord all those who do iniquity. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me in the day when I call. Answer me quickly. For my days have been consumed in smoke, and my bones have been scorched like a hearth. My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. Indeed, I forget to eat my bread. Because of the loudness of my groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. I have become like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I have become like a lonely bird on a housetop. My enemies have reproached me all day long. Those who deride me have used my name as a curse. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping, because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a lengthened shadow, and I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, abide forever, and your name to all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious to her for the appointed time has come. Surely your servants find pleasure in her stones and feel pity for her dust. So the nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord has built up Zion. He has appeared in his glory. He has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. For he looked down from his holy height, 
from heaven the Lord gazed upon the earth, to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to set free those who were doomed to death, that men may tell of the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. He has weakened my strength in the way. He has shortened my days. I say, O oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure, and all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. Okay, another short and sweet reading today. I saw two overarching themes in the readings today. For one, we continue to speak about how the Lord is king. The Lord reigns over all creation, as he rightly should. But the second thing is, we talk about his holiness. And in extension, it also talks about our holiness. So let me go into that very briefly here. So we see in Psalm 98 that this is a hymn that praises God as our deliverer and our king. He is the one who saves us from things, and we are to praise him for it. And even all of the creation should praise him for what he has done. Some of the anthropomorphic language is kind of silly when you read, like, let the rivers clap their hands and let the mountains sing. You know, obviously they don't do that, but all of the creation should magnify the Lord. We look at his creation and we see all the wonderful things he has made, and we should use that to bring awe and reverence to our Lord. Psalm 99 is again about his kingship, and it's kind of broken up into three different stanzas, if you will. First, it declares his kingship, and then at the end of every stanza, it talks about his holiness, and that is a good segue into the next phase of these psalms. So like in verse 3, let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. And what does it mean to be holy? Holy is the word that basically means separation from something that is common or something that is unclean. So when it refers to God as being holy, it's showing him as being someone who is distinct from everything else. And so, in this case, by calling God holy, he is in a league of his own. He is in a category of his own. There is no one or nothing that can even come close to matching him. Now, when it refers to us being holy, the only reason we are holy is because of Jesus Christ. He is the only one that has made us righteous before the Father. And that is why before Jesus came, there required a middleman between man and God. 
We had the sacrificial system. We had the high priest of the tabernacle or the temple. That was the only one who could step beyond the veil. There is a curtain, if we recall, in the temple or tabernacle that separated the holy place where they would do the actual sacrificing from what is called the Holy of Holies, which is where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that was considered the throne of God on earth. The only time that the high priest could go in there was once a year. And to go in there, they would need to be consecrated themselves, and then they would go and sacrifice to the Lord there on behalf of themselves as, as well as the whole nation. Now, they know that this is a very holy thing, and if you violate this in any way, you're struck dead. If we've learned anything so far about the Ark of the Covenant, you don't mess around with it. So there was a reason why when the high priest would go in there, they would wrap a rope around his ankle. In case he died, they could just pull him out, you know? But we don't have that anymore. We don't need it because it said clearly in the Gospels that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil itself physically tore in two to signify that there is no longer a separation between God and man because Jesus Christ is the mediator for us. And so everyone who belongs to Christ has that mediator. And that's why we can close our eyes and posture ourselves in such a way where we can communicate straight to God. That was something that did not happen back here. So what a blessing it is to be God's children to where we can run up to his lap and sit on his lap and talk to him. How awesome is that? And so when it talks about him being holy, he is in a category of his own. And when we talk about us being holy, we are separate from the world. We are not the same as unrighteous people. We are new creations, as the Old Testament tells us. We are to be different. God has called us to be different. He died so that we could be different. And so if we blend in with this world, we are violating what God has done for us. The, that Christ's death in us has been a waste in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that you'll lose your salvation or you're not really saved if you're not doing anything, but we have been given exact instructions on what we're supposed to do with our lives and how we're to conduct ourselves, and we were given missions. Go and make disciples of all nations. Be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. If you love me, obey my commandments. You know, all these different things he's told us to do. We need to be doing those things because he died for us. He saved us from damnation forever. The least we could do is obey him because that's what he's commanded us to do. He owns us. Therefore, we are to please our master since we are his slaves. Verse 8 of chapter 99, and it gives us that idea here of what we're supposed to do. O Lord our God, you answered them. When we call upon you, Lord, you answered, and you gave us salvation. You, We pray for petitions, and you answer them. And Lord, you, we love it when you answer our prayers, when they align with your will. 
you were a forgiving God to them, and yet an avenger of their evil deeds. Now he's talking more specifically in this psalm about Moses and Aaron and Samuel, but he answers us too. He forgives us, and yet he does chasten us when we are doing evil things. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to exalt the Lord our God, magnify him, worship at his holy hill, worship him in spirit and in truth. And as commanded in the Bible, we are also to meet together as an assembly in a local church. Why? Because holy is the Lord our God. Psalm 100 is very brief, but it is a beautiful psalm about how we are to give thanksgiving to the Lord. And especially on a day like today, which when I'm recording this, this is actually Sunday. This is the posture of heart that we're supposed to have as we go into the house of the Lord. We don't go to church just because it's ritualistic. We go there because of what God has promised. He says, when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. Not only that, but in the book of Hebrews, it's talking about not forsaking the assembling of believers together in fellowship. Are we posturing our hearts on Saturday in preparation for Sunday? Are we going to church fully expecting to meet God there? Because we will meet him there if we believe we will meet him there. Because we're not there to make ourselves feel good. Or there's that myth that church is there to recharge our spiritual batteries. That's not what it's for. It is not about us at all going to church. Church is for God. We go to his house to worship him and to glorify him and to magnify him. It's not for us. Church is for the believers. Let's be clear. It's not for sinners. The church is for believers to be equipped for fellowship, for lifting each other up, encouraging each other, for training, all that. But we're not there for ourselves. That is a natural byproduct of what will happen if we're obedient to the Word of God and we go with the posture of worship. If your heart is closed off to God, you're wasting your time. You're going to get nothing out of it. Maybe God will penetrate through your thick skull, through your thick, hardened heart. But God wants you to be receptive to him. So we need to take it very seriously how we prepare for Sunday. Psalm 101 is a psalm of David. We're back to David briefly here. And he is giving a list of standards that he is going to perform for himself as king. And he's going to do some of them very well, but ultimately he is pointing toward the future king, Jesus Christ, and how he is going to perfectly administer all of these rules and decrees that he is proclaiming here. I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. That should be our intent. Can we always do that? No, but Christ can. He did. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. We all do that. We can't do that perfectly, but Jesus did. I hate the work of those who fall away, 
it shall not fasten its grip on me. We let the world get to us sometimes, but it didn't get to Jesus. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. That is the pursuit. We won't be able to always do it, but Jesus did. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't try, right? That's the whole point to this. Jesus did do all these things perfectly, and he did it intentionally because he was the example for us. He is the role model that we're to follow. We will not get this perfectly, but we should definitely try with our utmost effort. And here's an important one that he mentions in here that we should apply to ourselves. Verses 6 and 7. My eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a blameless way is the one who will minister to me. He who practices deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who speaks falsehood shall not maintain his position before me. Who is it that we surround ourselves with? Do we surround ourselves with fellow believers that are on fire for God? Do we surround ourselves with spiritual leaders who lift us up and who encourage us? Do we spend time with people who are more attuned to the Bible and guide us in the right direction? Or are we filling our heads with nonsense? Are we surrounding ourselves with sinful people that do not lift us up? It's just like in the book of Proverbs, it says, Iron sharpens iron. What happens if you use something else on iron? For example, if you have an iron axe and you're chopping on wood. If you're trying to sharpen your axe with wood, you will fail. Because what does the wood do to the axe? It dulls it. And so you will also be dulled in your spirit if you surround yourself with bad company. So I encourage you. That is one of the main reasons why we assemble together as a church. Surround yourself with godly people. People who are striving to be holy. They are there. Not everyone at church is that way, but you need to find those people. And they're usually the ones that stick out. The ones that step up and help out. The ones that take leadership positions. The ones that want to serve. Those are usually the ones that you want to identify and try to build a relationship with. Not for the sake of gaining something from them, but for mutual encouragement and mutual motivation, mutual support. That is why we gather together as a body of believers. And lastly, we have Psalm 102. We don't know who wrote this one. It sounds like one of David, but we're not sure. But he's praying to God in his distress. And then he later, as you go halfway through it, he finds his confidence in the sovereignty of God and that the fact that he proves himself to be faithful and that he never changes. And so you see a couple of things in here that apply directly to us besides the realization of our mortality. We have to understand this as well. Verse 18, This will be written for the generation to come. 
that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. This psalmist is declaring that this psalm is going to be preserved for the future generations. He is wanting to leave a legacy so that the Lord can be known and understood and praised in the future. Paul was was also another one who mentioned that at least a couple of times throughout his letters that the Bible and the stories that were written in it were written for our instruction because there's something to learn from the past. God has preserved his word for us. The Bible that you hold in your lap right now is the same Bible that they had 2,000 years ago. Because there's always those people that are the naysayers, right? Oh, it's not a perfect translation. Some language and some syntax and some spirit of the original work has been lost. So the Bible we have today is just a mere diminished copy of the original. And it's it's not even the same. Well, that's actually not true. Because we have found many manuscripts, which are pieces of the original works from long ago, thousands of years ago. You think of the Dead Sea Scrolls, for example. Some of these manuscripts were written not too long after the original writers wrote theirs. They are copies, but they are perfect copies. And we can say with complete confidence today that the language of the Bible that you have in English is the same words that was in the original Hebrew and Greek. But God has preserved his word over the centuries, and it has not changed. God has not allowed his word to fail, because he promised it wouldn't. So what kind of a legacy are we leaving for our children? Are we leaving them a legacy of a spiritual upbringing? Are we teaching them who God is? Are we reading the Bible with them? Are we having them read the Bible when they're older? Are you making church a priority? All of these things matter because we are to leave a legacy for the next generation to know God. Look at all the stories in the Bible about a generation that falls away from God. You have a really righteous generation and the generation right after them, they fail. Is it because the righteous generation did not teach their children well enough? Maybe. So that should be some sort of encouragement for us that if we love the Lord, we want our family to love the Lord, especially the ones who are directly in our control. I encourage you to do that. Leave a legacy of God in your family. Work on breaking family curses. Pray over your family members who are not saved. Make the effort that God has given you to be holy. He's called you to be holy. Let's act like it for a change, right? And let's make pursuit toward that end. And that's all that I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.